New on Curiosity Stream. Grab your lab goggles. We're out to find the world's coolest, loudest, and most in-your-face experiments. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. See how hands-on science can change our everyday lives on oddly satisfying science. Plus, from goats to guard dogs, here's surprising stories about the creatures that brought humanity to the next level. It's animals that changed history. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. After things were rather boring yesterday, I can hardly put what I experienced today into words. I'm not quite sure anymore where all of this is going, but even though uncertainty has taken its toll on me these last couple hours, I'm determined to see this through to the end, no matter where it might lead. When I arrived at the park today, I felt like the premises had been awaiting me. There was a fresh breeze blowing, and the air smelled strangely nice. It was almost welcoming. There was nobody by the employee entrance, and on my way down the streets to the cage of the sock puppet in the horror-themed section, I did not encounter a single soul. Once I reached the funhouse, however, I spotted Darius standing beside Mr. Scratch's shelter. He noticed me approaching and walked up to me, looking both happy and concerned at the same time. Hey there, he greeted me. Good to have you back. How are you doing, still mortally wounded? Eh, I think it looks worse than it actually is by now, I told him, my fingers instinctively wandering up to my chin to touch the prominent, scabby remnant of the abrasion I had suffered when flying off the stagecoach. How's my fuzz butt? I took good care of him, I think. I stared at my colleague with an unsettled expression. Well, he's not dead or anything, but what do I know about how he's doing? I'm not his owner. He probably misses you or something. He just lies around all day. Doesn't really do much. I wasted no more time and ran up to the sock puppet's cage. The black beast inside sluggishly lifted his head. When he recognized me, he jumped up and hurriedly came scrambling outside. Hi, baby, I squeaked as I buried my face in his fluffy fur. I couldn't believe how much I had actually missed him. It's true. He really is like a dog to me. There's no sense in denying it. Darius was watching us with a disturbed look on his face. After I had caught up with my nod actor, fed and played with him a bit, I went to sit with Darius. I told him what I already told Caroline the day prior, and his reaction was pretty much the same. I then asked if anything odd had happened during my absence. Darius assured me that I hadn't really missed anything, although Mitchell, Anne, and Maxine had been dropping by to ask about me when they had noticed me amiss. Soon after I went to see Nathan, I found his carriage standing in the shade of a larger booth in Twinvale Point. When I called his name to get his attention and came walking up to him, he looked up at me with a dumbstruck expression on his face. It's you, he said. Uh, yeah, can I come up to you? He nodded and moved over on his seat, patting the free spot next to him. I hopped on and sat down beside him. Are you all right? Should I leave? I asked. No, no, I just... Uh, I, I didn't think you'd come back. I regarded him with slight confusion. I figured you'd like some company, and I brought you some new clothes. You know, like ones that don't smell as much. For real? I nodded and opened my backpack to give him the clothes. I stepped back off the stagecoach and turned my back to him while he changed. 
You can look now, he said softly after a while. I smiled at him and climbed back onto the coach seat. Do they fit? They do, actually. They're really comfortable. Thank you. You're welcome. I got some more candy and some sunburn lotion, too. I told him as I emptied my backpack next to him. He stared at me in disbelief. That's very nice of you, he muttered in a monotonous voice. Dude, I told you I'd help. This is the least I can do. Would you like me to bring you a new blanket as well or wash this one? No, he replied with a surprising vehemence. I like this one, he added, more softly this time. Because it's Dale's, I assumed. He didn't respond, just nodded and wrapped the blanket around his shoulders once again. I like having it around, he finally explained. So, since you drive around here all the time, did you ever notice that the four plazas of each section kind of, like, make a circle together? I asked. Nathan shot me a confused glance. He picked up one of my chocolate bars and began removing the wrapper. I'm in this section most of the time, so I don't really think about stuff like this. But now that you're bringing it up, well, I guess they do. Maybe? I don't get why this is relevant, though. I leaned back and stared up at the sky. Do you know where I could get a map of the park? Like not one of those cartoony ones we hand out to the visitors, but like a detailed one. I'm sure Dale would have one in his office, Nathan suggested, taking a bite from his candy bar. The way he pronounced his former lover's name was weirdly stoic. You think he'd give me one if I asked, though? He's told me he doesn't care that I'm snooping around. Says I'll never figure it out anyway. Whatever he means by that. So maybe he would. Right? The coachman shrugged. Not sure. Just try it. What's there to lose? I turned to him, smirking. <sighs> ah, I love talking to you. So captivating. Sorry. I kind of forgot how to. His voice trailed off when he noticed that I was grinning. He chuckled and playfully slapped me on the arm. I was a bit surprised. This was the first time I had seen him this lively. Or any kind of lively, for that matter. I stayed with him for a little while longer, before getting on my way to try my luck in regards to the map. When I arrived at Dale's office, I found the door halfway open. My manager was sitting inside, seemingly immersed in a book that wasn't work-related from the looks of it. I cleared my throat and he glanced up at me, only to redirect his gaze to the pages of his novel once again. Dale, I said firmly. What is it now? He asked listlessly, not looking up. I was wondering if you had a detailed map of the park I could have. My manager sighed. For frig's sakes, Leia, just stop. You said you'd leave me alone. Well, I was lying, obviously. Plus, I don't need your help. I just want a map. Come on, you gotta have one lying around here. No answer. Dale, ignoring me won't make me go away. Still nothing. Nathan would give me the map, you know. Dale straightened up, glaring at me with tight lips. He then slammed his book down on the desk, bent down to rummage about in one of his drawers, before producing a folded piece of paper which he threw in my direction. It sailed through the air and landed on the floor right in front of my feet. There, go fetch, he hissed. But the meanness didn't really deliver, since all I had to do was bend down to pick it up. By the way, stop getting on Nathan's nerves, he added, 
but I could sense a rather unhappy undertone in his voice. Right, I retorted. He's got enough on his mind, as it is after all. Dale stared up at me in both shock and disbelief. Thank you. I smiled, waved the map at him, and stepped back outside. Darius was waiting for me on a bench in the ghost town. I had told him to stay nearby since I still wanted to try out a few things. Initially, I had been planning on showing the laurel twig, iron nail, and silver bracelet to some of the pretenders to see how they would react. After all, these things are said to have a certain effect on supernatural beings, so maybe it would help figuring out their nature. But now that I had the map, there were more important things to do. I quickly explained my plan to Darius. We unfolded the map and spread it out on the ground in front of us. After a bit of rummaging, I produced a used-up pen and a small ruler from my backpack. I always carry around some drawing and writing materials. They don't take up a lot of space, and you never know when you might be bored. We first located the four main plazas. Then we used the ruler to connect the specific sections that were more or less placed across from one another. The four lines crossed in one point in the middle of the circle the four plazas produced. Our sketch was crude and messy, but according to the map, there was actually a building in that intersection. It was a visitor's restroom. Darius and I exchanged excited glances. He was the first one to mouth our suspicion. If you're right about the thing with the circle, then there might be something really important in there. I agreed and we got on our way. The restroom was apparently located on the outer edge of the Hollywood section. It didn't take long for us to reach it, seeing as it was pretty close to our part of the park. I remember noticing that I was feeling a bit off when we arrived in front of it, like I had eaten something bad. It's locked, Darius remarked after trying the door. That was to expect. There's no visitors at the moment, after all. We rounded the small building until we found a window high up in one of the outside walls of the men's part of the restroom that had been left open. After a bit of contemplation, Darius lifted me up so I could climb inside. He himself was too broad to fit. I squeezed myself through the small opening and landed ungracefully on the cold, tiled floor. I slowly rose to my feet and glanced around. All of a sudden, the sick feeling in my stomach had intensified. Can you try and open the door from the other side? Darius called out to me. The moment he finished his sentence, though, the room began to spin around me. The gray of the separate stalled door started to blur before it finally changed to black. I felt my body hit the floor mere moments before I fell unconscious. I instantly knew what I was seeing when I was out wasn't real. For some reason, though, I wasn't sure where to place it. Was it a hallucination? A dream? A nightmare caused by my pre-existing fear of the sugar plum fairy? Or maybe, just maybe, a vision of sorts. What I saw felt unsettlingly familiar. I was standing on a meadow, and a short distance ahead of me there was a little girl in a light pink dress. She was sitting on a large stone with her back turned to me. Her shoulders were twitching ever so slightly, almost as if she was laughing or crying. I slowly, carefully began approaching her, my hand outstretched, ready to tap her on the shoulder. At least I believed that was what I was going to do. My hand was already hovering above her slender, sparsely covered frame, when suddenly she spun around, her neck producing an unnerving cracking sound 
as it twisted in a way a human body shouldn't have. She didn't have a face. Instead of eyes, a mouth, or a nose, there was just a large, pale beak. A radula. She let out a sharp hiss before lunging at me. She pushed me to the ground, her hands on either of my shoulders. She hissed once again and specks of saliva came flying out of her beak, hitting my face. Thank God I woke up before I could see what she would do next. I came to with my head in Darius's lap. He seemed to have been patting my cheek and was staring down at me with deep concern written all over his face. When I finally raised my head, he let out a sigh of relief. Oh, thank God, he muttered. What the hell happened in there? Did you have a circulatory breakdown or something? I don't know, I admitted. Darius frowned. I looked around. We were sitting on the ground outside the men's restroom again. I fumbled for my backpack, only to find it lying next to me. How'd you get me out? I didn't. It wasn't me. What do you mean? What happened? It... It was the cowboy. I called out to you and then I heard this weird sound, which was probably you falling. I got really worried so I kept calling, but you didn't answer. You were in there for like 15 minutes or something. I was already thinking of getting Dale so he could unlock the door, but then he, the cowboy, he was just suddenly standing right beside me. Scared the crap out of me. He must have heard me call your name or something. He motioned for me to stay by the window. He had me hold his hat while he jumped up. Didn't even need me to lift him up. He just jumped up there and pulled himself in. A bit later, I saw that he was slowly lowering you out of the window. So I sat down his hat and caught you when you came out. He followed soon after with your backpack. But he didn't stay or anything. He just put his hat back on and left. It's kind of cool to be honest. I stared down at my lap and thought for a while before Darius broke the silence once again. Did he, uh, do you know if he, like, did anything while you were inside? Because he stayed in there with you a bit, and, uh, I heard, like, rummaging or something. I told him I didn't know. My colleague took it upon himself to drive me home. We agreed not to tell Dale about what we had tried even though that was pretty natural for both of us. Now here's the thing. I don't have circulatory breakdowns. I don't just fall unconscious for no reason. Both Darius and I know that, and we believe that there was something in there that had done something odd to my head. Even though we both aren't sure why it only affected me, according to Darius, he was feeling perfectly normal. At home I investigated the contents of my backpack. I still had the map with me, but I think I know why the cowboy didn't bother to stay around. The iron nail, silver bracelet, and laurel twig I had taken with me were nowhere to be found. <laughs>